0: Uh, My name is Dove Frankel. Um, I am a person who has not really paid much attention to professional sports in any capacity since being an adult. Um, I played baseball and soccer as a kid. Um, I played baseball for a little bit longer, for a couple more years than I played soccer. I have started rekindling uh, my interest in sports uh, in the last couple years as my son has gotten to an age where he is now playing baseball and soccer, and I'm coaching him uh, for both, and uh, realizing that I enjoy it. and uh, My friend Keith has informed me that he is a fan of Arsenal, a team in the Premier League, And suggested that I follow along with him. Uh, That, combined with Ted Lasso, (laughs) which which I'm a pretty big fan of, uh, pushed me in that direction. And so I have watched the uh, All or Nothing Arsenal documentary on Amazon Prime to catch up on their 2021-2022 season. And I have watched all three matches so far to date uh, of this current season, and I'm excited to talk about it. So, uh, so Keith, why don't you tell me about how you started following uh, Premier League and uh, your your experience? How did you, how'd you land on Arsenal?
1: Well, so, I mean, I can start back. Um, I mean, at, you know, like you, I played... Sports that I was younger, you know, recreationally, nothing, nothing particularly serious. I was, I was really just soccer. So it's, I've, I've always enjoyed sports of various kinds, but soccer's one, the one that I can watch and have something of a more intimate understanding of how it actually works, uh, having, you know, played at a very low level, as opposed to, you know, even, even baseball or other things. I know how they work, but you know, you, it's different. It doesn't have that experience. Um, you know, for me, I, I'm old enough, not that you're that, not that we're that different in age. But, um, <laughs> not, about a year. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, in, in 1994, the World Cup was in the the United States. It was a great time. It was cool. Um, and so I, I'd followed the sport from there. I, I picked up Arsenal in uh, 2006. Uh, the spring of 2006, I did a, a college, a study abroad in London. We lived in Islington, which is in part of North London, Um. Uh several of the guys in the group were Arsenal supporters for various reasons and also we you know surrounded by Arsenal fans in an Arsenal section of the town and that year um Arsenal fans will know the history of the, of the team uh that year went to the uh, the European Champions League final and so we were in the midst in the midst of that watching them progress deep into the tournaments uh we don't have to talk about what actually happened in the final
0: um I'm open to it if you'd like to but yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah they yeah they lost to Barcelona there was a red card it was very sad but okay. you know it's <laughs> a sort of to be there as that was going on and it's you know it's a sport that you know i would followed and um you know it you know I, I follow major league soccer in the United States as well and you know I want to see American soccer do very well but you know you to to look at the big teams in Europe I mean those are those are like, like if you watch the NFL or Major League Baseball, those are the very best teams with the best players. Um, and so Arsenal, one of the big clubs in England, is who I ended up, uh, who I ended up glomming on to, and uh, I have been a gooner ever since.
0: So, okay. Oh, wait, is that how it's pronounced?
1: Well, okay, so the
0: so, yeah, <laughs> there's the, well,
1: there's two there's the there's, of course, the team is named Arsenal, and we can talk about why that is uh the team is sometimes nicknamed gunners
0: right so that refers to the players and you're saying what gooners is the fans yes the
1: fans are the fans are gooners okay. so i i am a gooner and you are we are we are bringing you into the world of the gooners right so for example i live i should i i live in houston texas currently uh where i am a regular attendee with the houston gooners the local supporters group who will gather and watch games sometimes oh, at fun. ungodly hours yeah okay cool which you know, some sometimes it, it's it's a nice it's a nice group to be with. It's exciting. They're it, they're singing and um, you know, there's it, it's in a bar, so <laughs> fill in the blanks from there.
0: Yeah, I, I can fill it in with scenes from Ted Lasso. I think
1: <laughs> it very it's, it's similar in some ways. Yes, yes. <laughs>
0: So uh so yeah and and that's that's something that kind of led us down this path was when we were hanging out last year we watched the entire first season of Ted Lasso together and i think that was that was fun from my perspective because you actually <laughs> knew about the premier league everything i knew at that point from the premier league was was based on Ted Lasso
1: and and it's and it's great and people who are fans of the league will certainly know this the depiction that every everything they name in the show that has nothing to do with Richmond, the the the
0: shows club, the right? Players, the fictitious people, team, right?
1: Yeah, they're the fictitious team. Every every other team they name, every other player, coach, they're they're all real.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm realizing that now. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, right. So as a, so if you're a fan of that, they all those become in jokes, and it's a nice, you know, as you and I have bonded over the years over our various our love of various kinds of entertainment, those are the kinds of in jokes I know you and I both appreciate.
0: Yeah, definitely. The, the way that I imagine this going is, uh, for one thing, um, I definitely, as, as we're gonna try and do this, I don't know, probably weekly, well, we'll have to work that out, but, um, as we go, we'll definitely be talking about the, the recent match, uh, thoughts on it. Um, we kind of have a few to catch up on, so maybe we can talk about it holistically so far, but then also, um, I, I've been keeping a note, uh, in, on my iPhone of questions and thoughts that have come up like from the beginning. So from when I was watching the, I I started off with, I think the first one or two episodes of all or nothing before, um, I watched the first match was, that was the only match that had occurred at the time. Um, so then I watched, a. couple more, and then the second match happened, and then a couple more, and the third match happened, and now I've watched the last couple, so, so I'm all caught up. But so I have notes that are kind of roughly in that chronology, where there'll be some questions that come up from the doc, and then some from a match, and back and forth. And then there's some, also some thoughts that I haven't really put down They're just kind of general thoughts and questions just to to discuss with you, so... Um, so if you want to jump into it, the, the first thing on my, uh, on my list is not contentious at all, but I'm just wondering, I noticed at the beginning of the match that everyone just, there is no national anthem like you have in American sports. Um, it just gets right to the game, but it was preceded by everybody kneeling for a second or two before, before the kickoff. Is that something that's been happening for the past several years? Like it has been in professional sports in the United States. Like how, how far back does that go?
1: That it, you're, it it comes right around the same time summer of 2020 it's tied to to a lot the the same kind of protesting uh, that was going on in the United States it's interesting they they did it it used to be in an, an every game thing and I mean that's that's the summer of 2020 which is is now two years ago and for they, there's been all sorts of conversations amongst the players the league should they be doing it what purpose does it serve what they what the Essentially it was decided by the captains of all the teams in the league what they decided to do is they wouldn't do it regularly because it used to be an every game thing. Okay. And now they'll they did it they'll do it for opening day, they'll have a couple of noteworthy days during the season that are tied to various things uh, but for the most part most games will proceed will start um, I guess as normal.
0: Okay, that's and that's what it seems like. So yeah, that that adds up with what I've seen so far. Because I also noticed on the arms on the sleeves of their jerseys that no room for racism. And I know the documentary made a big deal about the end of the twenty 2020, twenty 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 one season when Saka had made he he uh, made a he missed a goal. He, he he had a penalty kick that could have won the game and I guess carried them further in the season and that didn't materialize. And I guess they say he was the subject of racist attacks.
1: So briefly what happened there, that was from the summer of 21. It's weird right. because we have to say 2020, 2021, yeah, yeah, right. So many twenties. But <laughs> last summer, so a little, so a little more than a year ago was the European championship, uh, the, the national teams and Bukayo Saka plays for England. Um, I mean, he's born he's born and raised in London. He plays, right. he plays for the English national team. They were in the final against Italy uh, he missed a penalty in the shootout at the very end. He was the last England kick, England shooter. He misses the penalty. Italy wins the title. And so, because this is sports and because so in in the 21st century and because everything is done on social media, mm-hmm. he became something of a target of of abuse. He is he's uh, you know if you don't know what Bukayo looks like, he's black, right? Um, yep. And then a, a good chunk of what's on there was was certainly racially tinged, or outright racist, mm-hmm. you can call it what it is, and so what happened, what, what the documentary depicts is, you know, Arsenal fans and the club, you know, sort of reached out to him, and you know, because certainly there's a, there's a human element to that, right, he's an important player, he's very young, he's twenty, twenty one 21 years right. old. He's he's very really quite young. I mean that's a that's
0: a lot of pressure to be put on someone someone that age. Well, right, who's not reached emotional maturity yet, mental maturity. Yeah, that's yeah definitely. Yeah,
1: and, and and to do it for a country like England, who is more than mildly obsessive about what happens to the national team. Um, okay. And and again, being English, he you know he feels that pre- he's going to feel that pressure internally too, right? He, it's not just about the fans, but hit for himself too. You know on a, on a Slightly more cynical level, Arsenal is going to be worried about his mental state coming into the season. How is he going to feel? And so what you saw, which was actually a really nice thing they did, is they had gotten all of this fan mail and letters in support of him. You know, we love you. You're great. You know, we love having you. Right. You know, especially from kids. You know, talking about you're still my my favorite player, my hero. You know, you, I love the, you know you you kept your head up. You know, things are going to work out. And they. They posted them all on the wall outside of outside of the training ground so that when he oh, came okay. out, he would sort of see that. It was a nice moment. Yeah, it is. Yeah.
0: Um, well, yeah, they, you know, they mentioned so- in the documentary about the one kid in particular who said he wanted to have ice cream with him or something. And, right. And they went through. He took him on a tour of a stadium. That was really nice.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, and and uh, I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of professional teams that will do stuff like that. It doesn't usually make big stories. Obviously, having a nice behind the scenes documentary, you'll catch that sort of thing. Right. But you know in that case because of the particular circumstance he was in so that was tied to in that case the national team playing for the national team for England as opposed to playing for the club itself
0: so yeah so i didn't realize that that had happened him missing that penalty kick that was when he was playing for the national team so how how are how's the national team or I, I mean i guess particular to england but in general like how are the national teams selected uh, so
1: they they basically play in a series of windows sort of throughout the year. Um, the summer is typically very heavy. This year is a very weird one because the World Cup is happening, but it's actually happening in November.
0: Right, I saw that there's going to be a break in the Premier League season, right, that, from November it, until is. like end of December or January or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah, into yeah mid, mid it's one month, so mid November to mid December. Yeah. This has never happened before. The World Cup is always held in the summer, June and July. And now it's happening here because it's being held in Qatar and because it is 120 degrees in the summertime. <laughs> so now it'll be in it'll be in November in Qatar where it's only ninety-five in the <laughs> ninety-five degrees. So there we can talk more about this when we get much closer to the actual tournament, the World Cup itself. Uh but that's there's a lot of of there's a lot to be said about that. Um as far as how the teams are selected, since they play in these windows, and there will be one I want to say late September. There will be a, a basically the Premier League will take a week a weekend off, and the national teams will gather together. And they have individual coaches uh, who are watching the, who are watching the best players from all of their countries. And they all do this, and they will decide who the best players are. The best, build the best team out of those players and and call them in essentially. Say, we want you to play for this set of games. Okay and and we can talk about this a little bit too as we get closer to the world cup as a top team as one of the top teams in England arsenal has a number of players who will end up i who i we, we feel pretty confident right now will end up playing in the world cup right and some of them like saka in england england is i think one of the teams that could that has a real a legitimate shot of winning the the cup and so Bukayo saka is probably going to play a big role for them so and arsenal has a few other players like that
0: so so let's start with some of the more broad foundational questions just to help me as as I'm watching matches just make make myself feel a little bit more moored. Um so so one thing, so Premier League is English or British? It is it is English. Um it is the
1: AOC sometimes heard hear it as the English Premier League Soccer, international soccer, will define the the home nations—England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland—as separate countries.
0: Which, which, yeah, makes sense. I, I'd say I think I agree with that. It's, it's like the United Kingdom is kind of an association of those countries, but they still retain their own uh, national identities. So
1: right, and it's which is different. I mean, if you look at say the International Olympic Committee, if you go to the Olympics, there's Team Great Britain. Right. But, but in soccer, and because of the long history, each of them has as, as separate sort of nations. Now there are, there are a couple of exceptions. It's, it's on, I guess in a little bit, uh, there are several clubs in Wales that play in the English system. Oh, okay. Two of the bigger names, Swansea City, uh, Cardiff, probably the more famous one in America now is Wrexham, which is now owned by Deadpool. oh right there's a documentary it's premiering tonight as we record this uh it's premiering tonight um him yeah Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney bought this club Wrexham and they're all in addition to running the club they are also produced a documentary about their first season in charge and the and so which was last season all these teams are within the English system and Wrexham's pretty low down but like uh, Cardiff and Swansea City or Swans have both been in the Premier League in in recent years. Okay,
0: that's interesting. So, when it comes to the league, so first of all, it seemed like the league is actually younger than I had thought. It formed in the 90s it seems like.
1: The Premier League as like a physical business entity is is right. It's from the early 90s. It is 30 I think this is their 30th season they said. Um but what it, that and that's the Premier League more as a separate business entity, it's a successor to what was known as the Football League. Mm-hmm. When it's the only sport that anyone cares about in the country, you don't have to be too creative with the league's name, yeah. Um, <laughs> which is even more so if you go to Spain, and in, in, in Spain, the top division is called La Liga, the league that's it, there's no, <laughs> other, there's no other league, yeah. But the, uh, the Football League dates back to 1889.
0: Okay, that that makes more sense because I I thought it seemed like these teams had been around for much longer than that, which is why that was kind of a a little bit of a discord. Like, a, wait a second,
1: <laughs> right? <I laughs> and the sense. Premier League is a separate business entity. It is, and it, but it maintains many. I mean, it, it and they act very much. They'll talk the way they talk about it. Sometimes is you know, in the history of the Premier League, well, it's only thirty years. I mean, the Premier League's only been won by like six or seven different teams. But if you stretch back to the history of, of the football league, we're talking now 30 teams, different teams, some some of whom are in the league now. They've had been up, down. Some of them haven't been in the league for a very long time. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it, it, you can you can sort of trace it both ways. There are a lot of times, you know, they'll on the broadcast they'll talk about the history of the Premier League, but you're really talking about the history of. They'll sometimes call it top division or top flight uh, football in England. You're talking about that much longer history into the 19th century,
0: right? Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. So the the next thing that's particular to the Premier League would be, and they they joke around about it in Ted Lasso. So I had some idea that it was a thing, but I still it's still not fully clear in my head. So so the top four teams by the end of a season qualify for the Champions League. Mm -hmm. They never said what exactly that means. And from what you've been talking about earlier, it sounds to me like the Champions League is a European league that they then get to compete in after the end of the Premier League season. Is that what it is? So here's the fun part. And and this happens in in pretty much every soccer country. Even the United States
1: does this a little bit. All of these competitions are actually run concurrently during the season. Hmm. So in England, there's actually four major competitions that teams will compete in. Um, the, fir- the biggest one, or the, the first big one, is, is, of course, the league, um, which is very straightforward. You play everyone in the league twice, once at home, once away. You get three points for a win, one point for a draw. You tally up the points. Whoever has the most wins the league. Hmm. There's no playoffs the way there is in an American sporting league. Right. You have, at the same time, uh, in England, every country has at least one. England has two. They're knockout cups. And Ted Lasso talks about this. With the uh, the big one is the FA Cup, the Football Association. Mm-hmm. It is a massive single elimination tournament involving every team in England, which they call the pyramid. So if you think the Premier League is, is level one, the top of the pyramid, the FA Cup extends at least down into the 10th level of the pyramid. Oh, wow.
0: I, I mean, that's massive.
1: England is obsessed. Now, once you get down, once you get down past like the fifth division, once you get to like the sixth, these teams are semi pro.
0: Yeah. I
1: mean, Arsenal, about, when I want to say a couple of years ago, played a team that was in like the fourth or fifth division. And I mean, the, the backup keeper was also the groundskeeper. I mean, they, they these guys have real job, <laughs> like real job. They don't, right. they don't make money on this. They're not, they're not professionals. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it's, the, all of the games are completely a random draw. They have ping-pong balls, they throw them in, they pull them out, and, you know, first ball we pull out, this team is at home, and you pull it out, and this team is on the road. So the the closest comparison I can make is, is here in the United States. Imagine if all of the Major League and Minor League baseball teams were thrown into one big tournament, and you could imagine drawing out, you know, I know, obviously, where you are, you could draw out, you know, the – uh, the New York Mets are going to play at the Hudson Valley Renegades. Right. And so that essentially, theoretically, could happen. Now that's staggered throughout the year. Premier League teams come in later because the, there's no bracket, but it, it's a giant single elimination tournament. Ends with a trophy, usually at the end of the season uh, at Wembley, the National Stadium uh, located in London. Um, there is a second trophy called the League Cup, or for sponsorship reasons, is called the Carabao Cup. It's named after a Southeast Asian energy drink. Um, <laughs> and that is similar, uh, but it contains only teams in the top four divisions. Arsenal, actually, actually earlier today, they were just drawn their opponent for that trophy, or for the, they're in the third round because of where they finished last year. Arsenal will play Brighton and Hove Albion. I saw that. Uh, We've drawn against Brighton for uh, uh, for that tournament when that game is played. I think they said that was November. And and these again, these will always face throughout the year. Then there's continental competition um, where there's really three tournaments. The top one is the Champions League. This is the one that contains the big names, even, you know, I don't want to say even you, but <laughs> you as a novice to the, to the, to the sport has probably heard of names like Real Madrid, Barcelona, um, Bayern Munich, Juventus, Manchester City. That's the level those guys play in. When you right. finish at the top, that's where you go. Uh, Arsenal currently is in the second tier competition. It's called the Europa League. Okay, and we're going to get a draw for that. I think it's Friday, so that's coming up relatively soon. We're going to play a lot of, you know, it's it's sort of that second tier. There's a few teams you might have heard of, and then random clubs from all different parts of Europe that you didn't realize have first division leagues, and then you watch them play and realize why you didn't know that. Um, <laughs> it is a tournament that Arsenal is is going to be vastly more talented than the teams they play, and what you'll notice to some extent in that one and the League Cup. Arsenal will play a lot of their bench players. They'll go to the, they'll use the backups, some younger guys who aren't really they're not old enough to do the, the Premier League or even the FA Cup. They will play that sort of the backup goalie will play. Um, so there will be a lot of there'll be a lot of they call it squad rotation. You know we're not going right. to run the same starters out every week. We're gonna we're gonna do that. Um, there is a third level called the Europa Conference League, which was started last year because why not have another European competition? hopefully Arsenal will never have to talk about the Europa Conference League because we'll never play in it. Mm -hmm. And basically your your position in the league determines which one you go in. So in England, the top four go to the Champions League, the next two effectively go to the Europa League, and then seventh place will be in the Europa Conference.
0: Right. Okay. And that's
1: based on what you did last year. So as you were watching All or Nothing, you know, Arsenal came so very close. Right finishing in the top four, and they end up getting kicked down to fifth, and that's why this year we are in the Europa League rather than the Champions League.
0: Right, that makes sense. Okay, and so then so... Is that why there are going to be multiple – so so right now, so far, there have been three games on three consecutive weeks. There have not been multiple games per week. You alluded to coming up there will be multiple games per week. Is that because of these games outside the Premier League, or are those yes. actually Premier League games that are going to be multiple a week?
1: Mostly they will be. Uh, Europa League games are played on Thursday nights. League Cup games are Tuesdays and Wednesdays, that sort of thing. Uh, you'll also see, because of the World Cup, the Premier League has to condense its schedule, so you will get some midweek Premier League games as well. Oh, okay. Another thing you'll see, and this isn't going to become an issue until you get to into the new year, as teams advance in these tournaments, or as teams get knocked out... All of a sudden you have, they call it congestion. All of a sudden you have a bunch of games that might be scheduled on the same day, which means you have to start moving things around.
0: Mm, okay.
1: And that gets, it gets weird. And I mean, you'll, you'll see it play out and games will have to be rescheduled. And you know, it's, it's especially gets awkward late in the season when I'm going to scroll ahead here. So say like, I don't know, we're in late April. Arsenal is home to Southampton. So Arsenal might be deep in Europa League. We might be deep in the FA Cup. Southampton getting knocked out right away. They're not even close, and so we have to move the game because Arsenal can't play. Mm-hmm. So you'll, you'll start to see that as they go along. The schedule is the schedule is very, very malleable. It's actually very fluid as the season moves along, which is, it, is very interesting to sort of watch play out. It's one of those things that once you see this all sort of play out once, you start to get how it – you start to see how it works. Right, yep. But yeah, right, especially as an American coming into it, this is bonkers. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't make any sense at all.
0: <laughs> so I think that's enough for catching up on my vast knowledge deficit for now. Uh, so let's just talk about this season so far. I mean, oh my goodness, it has been amazing. They're playing really, really well. They,
1: they I mean, and you saw a little bit of that. I, the biggest difference really... Between last season and this season, you saw a little bit of that. I think in the documentary, is they struggled to score goals.
0: Yeah, well, and in the very beginning, like to me, it was a major turning point when they put Ramsdale on the goal. That was like where everything changed, and all of a sudden they started winning games.
1: Well, they emphasize they emphasized Ramsdale, and that was a that was definitely a big shift. I mean, but part of it also, and they don't really talk about this as much, is they they actually bought. They say it as buying. They brought in several other new players who were key. Now these were guys. Uh, the, the two big names they really came in that were really helpful at that point were uh, Martin Odegaard. Yep. Uh, who is now who is now the captain? Right. And then uh, Takahiro Tomiyasu, uh, who's a who's a right back uh, Japanese. And those guys, those two actually in particular were really help. Ramsdale was a big switch, but the fact is they were getting completely outplayed. The, the score lines look bad, but it's hard to blame that on, on Bernd Leno, who was the keeper at the time. I mean, Ramsdale was excellent in the first half and he did a number of great things for them and the way he plays is much more like what, what manager Mikel Arteta wants. But really, it's it's the additional of those other players. A few guys were hurt in those first few games. Some of them had COVID, and so just getting a few guys back. Yeah. Plus, you saw they opened. You know, the the two teams they play they played Brentford right away, which was was tough. The next two games were Manchester City and Chelsea, who were the defending champions of the English League and the Champions
0: League. So right. Yeah, I mean, you you, you, you walked right yeah. into it. Yeah. Okay, that, that's some useful context. Yeah, it was it was funny. So I was I was watching the first couple episodes of a documentary before I watched the first match, and so I'm excited to see some of these players that they've been talking up, like Smith Rowe and some other people. They <laughs> they weren't there, and I'm I don't know if they got traded away or something. It seems like most of them, Tomiyasu and Smith Rowe, um, are a couple names that I'm thinking of in particular. But it seems like they were just on the DL, and now now they're starting to play a little bit as they recover. It seems like.
1: Right, the the two big ones who probably will be starting regularly when they're fully healthy. Uh, one of them is Emil Smith Rowe. He he's a midfielder. He he will probably be starting. And what you'll see, and this another big problem they really had last season was the lack of depth. You know, certain key players were hurt late in the season. You've seen that in the documentary. Those guys, you know, now those guys are back healthy. And because of that, because we're going to see congestion, we're going to see – you're going to see one, two, three games a week, two or three games a week. Right. You'll start to see more rotation, and Smith-Rowe will get more playing time. Uh, the other one is Kieran Tierney, who is a, the left back. He's Scottish, um, and he's dealt with injuries since he came here, which is disappointing because he's a really nice player when he plays. Um, and there, he was dealing with an injury, and they've been slowly bringing him back. The difference being this year – Uh, And Tomiyasu is the same way as well. He's been coming back from an injury. The difference this year is we have players who can more adequately fill in their spot. A lot of work was done over the summer in terms of the new players that they brought in were guys who can fill those spaces so that when they get hurt and go out, we have more comparable players to take their place.
0: Right, a deeper bench, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can definitely tell that. I mean, so, um, well, actually, before <laughs> before we leave, Tierney, um, I, I'm a fan of the tucked shirt. Um, he's <laughs> the only one I've seen in any game on any team that is tucking it in, and I, I admire
1: that. K- Kieran Tierney is delightfully old school. Everything about him screams like he should. He he could totally fit in in the '70s, uh, and, yeah. and nobody would notice.
0: I'm curious how that happened because like, they were, they were talking about The commentators were talking about how Arsenal used to have a policy of tucking your shirt in, and I think they mentioned a fine or something if, if you didn't, and I can picture that. Uh, I wonder how that went away. It must have been one or, I'm imagining, one or two players just kind of started not doing it and not caring about the fine, and it just kind of eroded <laughs> from there or something.
1: A lot of it depends on just what the manager is comfortable with some managers don't uh, you know there are some managers that have very strict standards you know this is the way we wear the uniform this is how things are done in, in American leagues that's all controlled by the league there are rules about right. how you wear your uniform soccer is very open ended um, if the team or a manager wants wants it done a certain way then that's the rule and you probably have you know, that you at some point a manager came in and said I don't care wear your shirt however you want and and so they we, wear their shirts at now. That's the thing. The style is untucked. I mean, it's like anything else. Fat styles and fashion changes. Um, you know, for a while in the '90s, big baggagers, Everyone had big baggy shirts. Um, you go back to the '70s, and everyone's got short shorts. I mean, there's you know mm-hmm. styles, no, sure. styles. change over time.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, that, was, that, that was something I, I appreciated. But uh, but yeah, I mean, just just the style of play this year. I mean, it's I've noticed during all three of these matches so far. The they're spending the ball is spending well over half the time in the opposing team's half of the pitch like it they they're just dominant yes. it's it's really something to see
1: and they they've been very aggressive and that's the thing and they did that a little bit at times last year it's it's a very young team overall so some of it's just another year of maturity for a lot of these guys another year of experience some of it is the, you know the there's an increasing emphasis on playing more aggressively for for the manager arteta this is his uh, the start of his third full season. He's had two and a half so far. No, I'm sorry. Wait, maybe the pandemic has thrown everything off. Um,
0: yeah, no, I, I think they said he started in 2019. Yeah, he, I think.
1: He, 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 his first game was, was in December. I think it was, I want to say it was, was boxing day. It was the day after Christmas, I think. Uh, yeah. In December of 2019. So I guess this would be then 21, 22, 2021. I think yeah, I think I think I was right on that. That this is his uh, third, yeah. his third full season in charge. And so the team has been remade in his image in a lot of ways, and he wants right. to be, you know, very attacking, very forward, very aggressive. Um, it it has helped, yeah. Uh, you know, they, for this past week, and they played Bournemouth. Bournemouth was one team promoted from last season. They're not very good, uh, so that helps a lot. Okay, Leicester, who they beat in in the in last week's in the previous game. Leicester has is struggling. Crystal Palace, that the opening win was it was very impressive for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, but even then, yeah, I mean, Ar- an Arsenal comes in legitimately thinking they're a team that should be near the top of the league. I most Arsenal fans, including me, will tell you I don't think they're ready to contend for the title. It's great they're in first place, but it's three games. There are thirty five yeah. more to go. Uh, we have yeah. it is a long time until May. I don't know that they're title ready. Uh, but they are a team that should be in the top of the league. And you look at their schedule and they will drop games. They, they will tie games. They should win. They will lose games. They should tie. They will lose games. They shouldn't. But by and large, they are a team that should legitimately be targeting top four. And at this point in the season, right now, I could, you could easily argue they're a team that could think about being top three.
0: Hmm, yeah. No, I can I could definitely see that. They've got, they've got the talent there, definitely.
1: And, and so far, we've seen a lot of their competition. The other clubs that should be up there are struggling in some ways, and so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, and over a long season, everyone's everyone's got talent. Over a long season, you're going to go through stretches where things don't go well. You know, right now, we're in a very good set. We're in a very good form. You know, Liverpool, who should be one of the best teams in England right now, is in a very rough form. You know, is it a, a blip? Is it a sign of a larger underlying problem? It's three games. We have no idea.
0: Yeah, that was another uh, foundational question. When they're computing the standings, um, obviously the first thing that they're sorting by is number of wins, um, but then it seemed like the total number of goals is the way that they distinguish between teams with the same number of wins. Is that right?
1: Well, so it's not wins. What it is is points.
0: So like you were talking about before.
1: Yeah, So, and what you'll see is a, a win is worth three points. Right. So currently Arsenal has nine points. Okay. Uh, a draw or a tie is worth one point. Yep. Which for the longest time it was actually, and this was up until like, I think into the 80s or even the early 90s, it was actually two points for a win and one point for a draw. They pushed it to three points to incentivize teams going for wins. So wins are much more valuable.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah.
1: And so what it is is you tie up those points. Now the first tiebreaker, if two teams are tied on points, the first tiebreaker is goal difference.
0: Oh, it is the goal difference. Yeah, which, right, that makes more sense to me. That's what I thought it should be, but it didn't seem like what I was seeing. So, okay, that's good. Right. (laughs) Now,
1: as it turns out, if you go down the list of tiebreakers, the next tiebreaker is goals scored. Mm -hmm. So if you're even on points and goal difference, then it's who scored the most goals. Mm -hmm. Goal difference certainly has played a role in this at times. Number of goals scored is a much harder one to get to.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, because yeah, it's <laughs> the line of succession, it narrows down every time. Yeah. Right. So the the players who have been catching my attention so far this year, like Martinelli, is amazing. It was great because I was seeing him playing in the matches before he really started becoming part of the squad. It seems like last season in the documentary that I was following along with. So I saw him start to get played, starting to be part of the squad, and I was like, "Oh yeah, no, he's he's great. I'm <laughs> I'm glad that they did that."
1: right and he's I mean he's 21 he's he's incredibly young they signed him out of I mean he played for a Brazilian at something like a fourth division Brazilian team he came out of nowhere um and so there was a long build-up to him them even feeling comfortable with him actually playing for the first team um and he's sort of slowly been worked in but yeah I mean he's a I mean he's he's a firecracker he's
0: quick he's aggressive very nimble yeah
1: He's young. He will make mistakes, you know, and he's going to get caught up a little bit in the rotation of, of players at the forward line. Uh, but he's certainly—I mean—he's been given an opportunity there on that on that left wing forward position, and right now he is, I, pun intended, running with it. I mean, he's really <laughs> he's really been in good form to start the season, and that's you know, it's good to see.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I—I think uh, was there anything else that you wanted to discuss from the first few matches? I mean the the one other thing
1: I'll point out since we're talking about players, and it really we talked about the difference between last season and this season. Last season, you know, as I said, they struggled to score goals. um, you know, they had Alexander Lacazette was the the striker there, and you know the he does a lot of good things. He is a good guy, you know he was a great teammate, everybody loved him, he was a captain for a while. But he he's a little older. I say he's older. He's younger than both of us. But he is an older player. <laughs> yeah. um, he was out slow. There were limitations to his game. The biggest change made was their big signing of the of the offseason. The summer was the striker, the number nine, Gabriel Jesus.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that was another name that I was going to bring up too. He's really incredible.
1: He is, I think, the key difference because he does. So much of what Arteta wants a striker to do, he he has been outstanding uh, so far this year, and really just – he gives that forward line, that offense, a focal point. And if nothing else, you know, Jesus can take the ball and do something with it. Or the defenders have to be watching him, and so he'll drag them into different places and open up space for other people to go. Or in the case of – and I saw this, you know, in in each of the last two games – he will take on a defender one by one. He's incredibly strong, essentially shoves him off, physically shoves <laughs> him away, and it gets through on goal to take a shot, and one of which, uh, that's part of what led to uh, the first goal in the, in the Bournemouth game last week. He has been, he came from Manchester City, so he's won the league a bunch of times recently. He is the striker for Brazil, which means he's pretty good. Um, so we knew he was good. Mm-hmm. But but to sort of to see this, I he what I'm the one I'm thinking of is is uh, the the Leicester game, the second game. His first goal, he essentially chips a nice high arc over the keeper. I think he's the only guy on the team who could do that.
0: Okay, the precision,
1: the skill, the precision. In some cases, just the just the guts to even try <laughs> that. Like all sports fans are somewhat romantic in a certain level, but there's something particularly about soccer fans and sort of the the verve and the style of, of of certain players and the daring. And they talk about great players of the past, Diego Maradona, Johan Cruyff, these guys who, you know, or in Arsenal's case, Thierry Henry. Right. You watch them do something and you think, I, I I, didn't even conceive of, would even conceive of trying that, and you just did it.
0: My moment like that so far was, it was, I think, the second match where the one player had a flying kick into the goal <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, some of those, yeah. uh, those are always. I think that may have been a
0: Martinelli may, goal. Yeah, it may have been. It's like I'd never seen that done. It never occurred to me that it would be possible to have the coordination to jump in the air and as you're falling to the ground, hit a ball that is also in the air and moving in your direction and kick that with the accuracy to get it past the goalkeeper into the goal. It just blew my mind.
1: Oh absolutely. And and you know that's it, it, like any sport the longer you watch the more like you are to see something you've never seen before. The other one I will we'll talk about briefly and we can talk about this guy for a while. Um it was the the third goal from from the Bournemouth game was William Saliba. Just a delightful curl right into the top corner. Yeah. And if you watch and you can find replays that, they'll show the replays on, this on on social media, you know. He scores the goal most players start running to them. One of the Arsenal players, Oleksandr uh, Zinchenko, he collapses to his knees and puts his hands on his head like, what did I just see? Yeah. <laughs> Even once in a while, you'll see that happen. Um, last year, this didn't quite get into the do- – it got into the documentary like as a flash, but it was kind of a big moment. Ramsdale in both games against Leicester made – Incredible saves, he, full extension. You know, gets a hand on a ball he shouldn't get to. Yeah, and they showed the, watching the game. the uh, The Leicester manager Brendan Watt Rogers is celebrating the goal when he's got his arms <laughs> in the air and then turns around. His face is just what?
0: <laughs> yeah, stole it.
1: So yeah, I mean, even those guys sometimes are sort of taken, just sort of stunned and taken aback by what they see or you know what happened. Right. Right. You know, we, we talked a little bit about things that are sort of standing out, you know, that your your questions are, is there anything that you sort of, I'm curious, is there anything you saw that you didn't really expect in terms of, particularly in terms of watching the game, obviously it's on television, but through the atmosphere, the commentating, i just sort of curious about your impressions of that, I'm,
0: I'm curious. Okay, so the meta game, like the experience watching the game. Right, the experience of watching. Well, I think so... The, so there, there's a bunch of things that that were, were uh, I guess, delightful, like things that I hadn't, that that were happy surprises um, that I hadn't thought about. But just the uninterrupted play, you know, the, that they play for the entire half, uninterrupted, you know, aside from you know stoppages due due to you know falling and penalties and things like that. But no artificial breaks, no timeouts, no. We're going to take a timeout just so we can put (laughs) a commercial in your face. Like nothing like that. Just letting them play. Uh, that was, that was really good. I enjoyed that. Um. I, I like being able to time shift it. I mean, it's, it's funny for me because <laughs> since I'm not generally into sports much at all, um, I there's practically no risk to me of getting a score spoiled, even if I don't watch the game for a few days or even a week. Of course, that's starting to change. Um, like I found a, another, I guess, another gooner at work just, just uh, yesterday that I was talking to a little bit. So you know, as time goes on, I'm sure it'll <laughs> that'll be, that'll be more of a factor for me. But, But um, the one time that I did get the score spoiled for myself was because during a match, they'd been advertising on the sideboards uh, in the stadium, arsenaldirect.com. And I've been thinking, oh, I wonder, you know, how much much does a jersey cost? (laughs) Stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. And so the game was going on. There was a stop of play. There was some injury or something. So I knew that they were going to be stopped for a couple minutes. And so I start, I open up Safari on my iPhone, and I start typing in Arsenal Direct. And once I got to the ARS... (laughs) <laughs> My phone, helpfully, it thinks shows me <laughs> the final score of the Leicester game. I think that was the one that was four two, right? Yeah. Um, it, it, so it shows me it, Arsenal four or Leicester two. I was like, oh, no! What did uh, I yep. do?" the world
1: of the sports fan in the twenty
0: first century. Yeah, so a lesson uh, hard hard learned. Um, but yeah, no. I think uh, as far as the commentators, I'm I'm definitely learning a lot. Um, I think one theme as we we didn't really get to my notes so much because there's a lot of background info that I didn't have specific mm-hmm. notes about yet. But um, as we start getting through those, it's going to be a recurring theme that a lot of especially my earlier questions end up getting answered either through me figuring out myself and more often than not the commentators do. Like with Tierney, <laughs> like I, I saw him come out with his jersey tucked in, and I was wondering about that. And you know, within a few minutes, they were talking about all the things that I said were how. You know, it used to be that they everyone had to tuck them in, and he's the only one who does now, and stuff like that. They so they've been informing someone like me a lot, which which I appreciate. Which I, I'm curious for you is that when, when you hear them explaining things that you already know the answer to, is that frustrating? Like I, I know my dad, as a huge football fan, my whole life used to actually mute the TV and he would watch the football games with the radio turned on because he liked the radio <laughs> commentators so much better than the TV commentators that since they have to fill in everything about the game he he liked that commentary a lot more how how do you feel about the the um, Premier League commentators
1: well so this is the part of the experience of watching in the in the bar is actually you can't hear it as ah, much oh
0: okay sure
1: but um, sometimes it's sometimes is good because sometimes the commentators get annoying sometimes it depends on who they are um i think one of them i think for one of them who who does regular games, is a guy named Lee Dixon. He used, he he played for Arsenal hmm. uh, back in the back in the nineties. So him him sometimes is better than some others who maybe played for other teams. Um, it's kind of interesting if you watch American sports, American you know sports fans and journalists go, or journalists go out of their way to sort of be as, as neutral and down the line as possible. In England and in Europe, that's very different. Like, they You know who these people are, you know who they played for, and they wear their allegiances. Now, when they're calling the game, it's definitely... You're still trying to be professional, mm-hmm. but sometimes this sort of thing
0: slips through. Um, it sounds like a more honest approach, kind of owning your bias and... <laughs> Everyone knows where you are coming yeah, from right, yeah
1: but and that's part of the the entertainment factor right is you'll you, you want to see these guys banter with each other and and you know talk about their experiences and talk about playing for certain clubs and what they thought about certain teams and players it's very i mean it's it's very chaste it's very you know professional and polite um in that setting but you know there's there is a little bit of the undercurrent there and it does inform how fans hear what they say but by and large I don't actually hear much of what they say.
0: Right, <laughs> which sometimes
1: is nice because I mean, the more you listen to it, sometimes things get a little a little boring. Um, that, you know, they try to explain something to you, and it's like, yes, that's that's an overlapping run. That's what always happens.
0: Um, <laughs> so right, it's like what I was you know, talking always, about. All, yeah, you know,
1: a lot of respects, the commentary isn't for someone like me. Um, you know, it's for people who don't watch every single game, who sometimes you know need to learn, you know, do need to learn new things about the players or the tactics or things like that. Right. So it's I'm sure NBC will be happy to know it's working.
0: Well, so then, so that's that's another thing. So I'm watching on Peacock, which I'd done a trial of just to watch the last season and a half of Parks and Rec, I think, a couple of years ago when Peacock was brand new and everything just suddenly shifted and I couldn't finish it on Netflix or Hulu, wherever yep. i had been watching it. And I really didn't like the app then as part of why I hadn't been a subscriber before now. <laughs> but I, I am, again, and I, I really don't like the app. The app is garbage. It is not a good Apple TV platform citizen, and uh, it's fine. I, I like the content. the the game is good the coverage is good just the app itself just bugs me a lot what
1: what i will say is as as we go forward other competitions are going to be on other platforms okay uh the 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 english cup so the league cup and the fa cup will be on espn i think and um the european stuff so in our case the europa league is act i believe is on paramount
0: okay paramount plus i actually do get already so okay so yeah, so
1: just 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 be aware of that. And then um and then Fox will be the one hosting
0: the U- or showing the World Cup at least in the US. So Okay. That's that's good to be aware of. I'll, I'll have to figure something out for the rest. Okay. And we can talk
1: we can talk about the World Cup when that starts, yeah. starts a little closer. Yeah. Definitely. That's a, that is a whole that's a
0: thing, man. <laughs> okay, well. That's something to look forward to. So uh so thanks for listening. My name is Doe Frankel. You can find me uh, at Doe Frankel on Twitter. Keith, you want to sign off?
1: Yeah, well, I, I don't have much of a sign-off because I, I tend to stay off social media. I'll tell you. So if you have questions, <laughs> tell Dove and he'll tell me.
0: Sounds good. It'll... Direct all of your complaints to him and we'll figure it out. All right. The one person is listening to us. Keep, it, keep that in mind. <laughs> and, uh... yep, or, yeah, or you can just call us directly <laughs> and we'll, we'll bring you on.
1: Maybe, you know, make it a, make it a threesome. I don't all know. Right. Anyway.
0: All right. Well, uh, talk to you next week, Keith. All right. Go Arsenal.